0: to take, I don't know, 300, 400 of this morning's episode of The Virtual Couch. I am your host, Tony Overbay. I am very calm and being very present now as I have continued to ruin take after take of simply trying to say, hi, how you doing? As I have been distracted or had a coughing fit or had to clear my throat or literally then forgot what to say. So this time I am determined to stay the course. So welcome aboard. Welcome to this episode of The Virtual Couch. And today we're going to talk about values. I talk about values so much that if I look at, there was my throat again, I swear to you, I could, I could stop right now and start over again. But instead, watch this. I'm going to pause. Well, oh, that was a good one. I just cleared my throat like nobody's business. But I talk often about values and probably now the most um, consistent email I receive is Can you give me a link to this values worksheet that I talk about often that is by my favorite author, Russ Harris, who is author of The Happiness Trap and the Confidence Gap and Act Made Simple, all of these amazing acceptance and commitment therapy books. And I have a little copy and paste there. So if you if you want to, you can reach out, contact at Tonyoverbay.com or go through the website, and I'll send you a link. But you can also find the link on psychwire.com. You can find it in under additional resources. But I talk so often about values and the importance of finding your values, determining your values, that that really guides you in the direction that you need to be that I really wanted to go through and take a look at what that looks like when you're trying to find or figure out what your values are, because they're significant. Let me let me kind of go over that again. So when you find out or determine what your values are, those start to point you in a direction, a new direction of where you want to go with your behaviors, where you want to go with your thoughts. And even just trying to figure out what your values are or what's important to you is a pretty mind-blowing experience. Here's why. It may sound like, well, I already kind of know what matters to me, but do you? When I have clients in my office one-on-one, one of the first things I like to do is go over this values checklist because so often our values that we think are important to us are really things that are carried over from our parents or from our teachers at school or from a neighbor or from our siblings or from our religious community. And they're those things that we feel like we are supposed to care about or supposed to do. And what I think is fascinating when you do a deep dive on your own personal values is that they're very unique and personable, personable, personal to you because of all of the experiences that you've gone through in life. And I've probably said this so many times that it gets old for somebody that's listened to a lot of my episodes, but let's just take a look at honesty, for example. If you grew up in a home where your parents, one or both, were brutally honest to the point of where they said you absolutely look horrific in what you're wearing, or today when you gave a talk in church, I, I can't even believe that uh, I call you my kid. Which those are very real examples that I hear on a fairly regular basis of people growing up saying, "Well, you know, at least I knew where they they stood; that my parents were honest." But oftentimes it came with a cost of that person's self-esteem or their confidence. So if you grew up in a home where people had this brutal honesty, then you may not have a value of that absolute brutal honesty. You may have more of a value of compassion. Or if you have a value of connection with others, then you may say, hey, I think you look pretty good. Or I think that, no, that talk was, uh, was great. I love this part where you said this one thing, this story that you told. That was fantastic. Because it might not be in your nature. It may not be a value of yours to then tell somebody really what you think, what you think deep down in your soul about what they look like right now or what they're wearing. And I'm not saying there's any good or bad or any right or wrong value. That's the fascinating thing about values. They just are. They're there because of all the experiences that you've gone through as a kid. You know, if uh, somebody has some deep abandonment or attachment issues in their life, then they may really have this value of connection. They desperately want to connect with people, but they may not know how. So sometimes just identifying and accepting that you have this deep value of connection with others, that that becomes a really important direction to guide your life. So if you have this value of connection, but then you are afraid that you may not know what to say in a particular moment, then that I'm worried I may not know what to say in a particular moment becomes this story that your brain is telling you And you then hook to this story, you fuse to this story, you believe this story, even though it's just a story, it's just a thought in your head. And then that keeps you from trying to connect with others. So it's so important to determine what your values are. So, in that scenario, let's say that you really have this deep core value of connection with others. But again, you're afraid. You're afraid that you might say something silly, that you might stumble on your words, that they might not think that you're smart. And so, let's say that you are going into a new environment you're um, starting a new job or you're heading off to school. And now you have this opportunity to talk to people or connect with people. That's at your core. That is your deepest desire and value in life is to connect with others. So you think, I'm going to go talk to those people then. And that gives you a little bit of a bump of dopamine. You get pretty excited about it, but then just take a pause and watch all of those stories that your brain tells you. Your brain starts to say, I don't know if they're going to like you you know, or you haven't had a lot of success with this in the past. So why is this going to be any different? So if you believe or buy into any of those stories, then guess what, you don't have to go try and connect with that person. And if we just take a step back again, your brain is kind of wired for survival and survival at a real primitive level. Your brain wants the path of least resistance. It knows what the current situation looks like. It knows what it looks like or feels like to say, I'll try to talk to somebody later. It knows what it feels like to say, I'll sit this one out. But what it is afraid of is this fear of if I go over there and make a fool out of myself, then things might actually be worse. And that's going to, that's going to require a lot of emotional calories and energy. And I might not get a payoff for it. So your brain's saying, "Hey, how about we set this one out?" Again, it's this concept of experiential avoidance. I'll find other things to do right now. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my laundry. Or I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, just watch a few more videos on YouTube or, or open up uh, the TikTok app or something like that. And tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm gonna connect with those people. I mean, how many times do you say that to yourself? That I'm gonna do it later, or even in the grand scheme of things, I'm gonna do it when the kids are out of the home i'm going to do it when we're in a better financial situation i'm going to do it when i have lost a little bit of weight or any of those type of things so we're designed to just kick that can down the road to put things off so as soon as we identify what our values are now we can start to take action toward our values or activities based on our values and your brain is still going to try to talk you out of it, but at least now we have a direction to go and that's what where we can really do some good work. So if I'm going to start moving toward a connection with somebody, but my brain says, you may not know what to say, or they might not think that you are very smart at this point, then we're not even trying to argue that we're saying, okay, all right, I appreciate your warning brain. You mean well, but that isn't a very workable or that isn't a very productive thought toward my value-based goal of connection. That's why the identifying of values becomes so important. So I wanted to walk you through what that looks like when you pull up this values list. So this values list from the site psychwire.com says a quick look at your values. And right in front of me, I have the 60 value version. And the reason I picked that one, they have a 60 value version and a 40 value version. I often send clients the 40 value version, but the 60 value version has a really nice explanation at the top. It says, Values are your heart's deepest desires for how you want to behave as a human being. Values are not about what you want to get or achieve. They're about how you would want to behave or act on an ongoing basis, how you want to treat yourself or others or the world around you. And I feel like there's some real significance there. The significance in that values are not um, about how they're, they're not what you want to get or achieve. They're about how you want to behave or act. And I was doing a little bit of a values uh, exercise or values workshop that I found. Um, And I found this through a training that I was doing. And I'll have a link to this, but um, I am drawing a blank. You can see me stumble here on trying to figure out or remember who the author was that provided this worksheet. And I will find that I feel so bad. But uh, she said that uh, values clarification worksheet, she, she said, before you begin to identify your values, remember that they're unique to each one of us and you get to choose them. And you may have learned your values, like we said earlier, from your family, your community, culture, your country, your religious or spiritual traditions, or your friends. However, you are not required to share values with them. And I think that's so important. And it's so, it's so simply and easily and wonderfully stated that just because your parents value something or your religious community values something, that doesn't mean that you have to value that thing. You value what you value, again, because of your experiences. And so when she says, uh, however, you're not required to share values with them, um, values are typically going to elicit one or more of these following feelings, a sense of purpose or vitality or connection or contentment, fulfillment, um, warmth or meaning. And if you don't feel at least one of those things, it's most likely not a core value of yours. And she says, include all aspects of what's important to you, all shades of you, values that are similar to And values that are in contrast to one another. And I think that's important. You can have a value of compassion, but you could also have a value of um, authenticity, or you could have a value of justice, even though you also have a value of connection. And some of those can seem like they are conflicting values. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, values. And this is why I brought this up. She talks about values being like directions that they can't be achieved. So if you can get it or you can have it, then it's not likely a value. So if we're talking about money, if my, if people want to say I have a value of getting rich, then that, that really isn't a value. That might be a goal. That might be a direction to go, but it's not a a core value. If you can get it, if I become rich, you know, whatever that looks like, then it's not really a value. I could have a value of being authentic, a value of cooperation, a value of courage, a value of fairness, a value of fitness or flexibility. And we'll talk about those, but really ask what about this particular value or what about this thing is important to me. And here was the part that I thought was so brilliant. She talked about no core values that values don't necessarily exist in a hierarchy of most important to least important, that it really boils down to the context or the moment. And and in that context or moment, that will really determine what value is the most workable for you to focus on, or the most productive for you to focus on. And we'll we'll talk about that. We'll give some examples here. So I want to challenge you. If you right now have no idea what your values are, of course, I would like for you to get this um, worksheet or that I'm talking about and I have a link to it in the show notes or you can email me. And I'd love for you to even to start to think about what really matters most to you. What really gives you the sense of meaning or purpose or connection or fulfillment? And then watch your brain immediately say, but yeah, but Here's why this wouldn't work for me, or here's why. And those are all just your brain, bless its little pink squishy heart, trying to protect you or trying to just uh, keep you safe or trying to make sure that you don't make a fool out of yourself or you don't embarrass yourself because the brain is, again, this this just stay alive, don't get killed device. And I think it's so brilliant when you think about that concept of your brain it really is working off of some faulty information, which sounds crazy because it's your brain. I have one, you have one, we all have one. But the brain is saying that if I can just work less, if I can just conserve my energy, that I've got a good shot of living forever. Because your brain wants to live forever. It's this organ that if it dies, it dies. I mean, we can talk about soul and we can talk about the afterlife, we can talk about all those things, but your poor brain is saying, I got one shot at this, you know, and then and then I am, and then I am done. So I want to hold on for dear life, literally. So what your brain's doing is it's saying, if we don't have to put ourselves out there too much, then we have a better chance at living. But again, that's a false premise. So And and this goes into that whole concept of why we develop habits. If you think about tying your shoes, as soon as you learn to tie your shoe, you don't think about tying your shoes at all. Or you don't think about backing the car out of the driveway. Or you don't think about buttoning up a shirt. Those become habitual. Those become habits and they're put into a little part of your brain called the basal ganglia. It's the habit center of your brain. And if you were to look at how much electrical activity your brain uses when pulling from that habit center, it's, uh, it's minute, it's infinitesimal. So in that scenario, your brain wants to do whatever it can to make something habitual, whether it's a thought or a behavior, whatever that is, put it into that habit center. And then when your brain sees cues coming, then it says load up this habit because this whole process is going to use less electrical activity and therefore we're going to be able to live forever. So let's try to get as many things as we can as habitual. And the way it's going to do that is even to to kind of trick you into these things of saying, hey, we'll do that thing later because that thing sounds pretty scary. But for right now, um, let's just focus on something that we know. Let's focus on the known. We know TikTok. We know YouTube. We know sleeping. We know watching episodes of The Office. So let's do that today. And then I promise you tomorrow, we'll take a look at whatever that new thing is that you want to do. And then we 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 believe our brain. We trust our brain and we say, okay, brain, sounds like a good idea. Uh, that's right. We'll tackle that tomorrow. Or you're right. I think I do deserve a little bit of uh, TikTok time right now. And I'm going to spend some time there. So When you look at it that way, I think that will often help us understand that there's nothing quote wrong with us. This is just the way that we're presenting. This is a a survival mechanism. This is how we're wired. Um, this is our brain thinking it's doing us a favor. It thinks it's doing us a solid. So let's get back to this quick look at your values. Um, Oh, where I was going when I was talking about that is if you aren't sure what they are, I want you to get this uh, worksheet out or I want you to start thinking about things that really matter to you or what what really you feel a, a meaning or sense of purpose around. And then watch your brain, bless its heart, try to talk you out of those things that, well, yeah, but this doesn't really matter or you shouldn't think that even your own brain's going to shoot on you. Nobody likes to be shot on. And so, as you develop these, uh, or even want to start testing to see if these things are your values or not, this is why I love this point that that uh, she said in this worksheet that there aren't there isn't really a hierarchy of values most important to least important. We just need to start doing. And we spend so much of our time thinking, and we try to think, 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 think our way through things. We try to uh, think our way out of thinking problems. We we ruminate, we fortune tell, we worry, and all of that is a lot of thinking. And we get to the point where we feel like. I just have to figure this out. But in reality, we spend far too much time in that thinking and not enough time in doing. But here's the caveat to that is it really does help. I was going to say it matters. It matters. It really does help if you know what to do. So you can start thinking and get yourself anxious and you can practice mindfulness and you can bring yourself right back to the present moment. You can notice that you're thinking. You can turn to your breath. You can get yourself right back into the moment. But now what? Because when you let your foot off the gas of trying to be present, you're still in that same situation often. And so your brain says, hey, how'd that work, champ? You know, it didn't. So let's get back to worrying. Let's get back to ruminating. When in reality, if you can bring yourself back to the present moment and now take action on a value, a value-based goal or a value-based activity, you're starting to create this nice new neural pathway in your brain. That when I start to worry, when I start to fear, when I start to doubt, when I start to get anxious, when I start to feel depressed, when I start to do any of those feelings or those, those thoughts come into my mind, that I'm going to notice them. I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to try to push them away. I'm not going to try to change them magically. I'm going to recognize them. I'm going to acknowledge that thought. And then I'm going to just gently set the rope down of the tug of war with that thought of why am I thinking this? I shouldn't be thinking this. Don't think this. Think something else instead. All of those are just, uh, that's that's that same pattern that's kind of kept us stuck where we are. What we're going to do is we're going to acknowledge the thought, recognize the thought, drop the rope of the tug of war with that thought, and then gently move towards some value-based action. Let me give you an example of this. This happened over the weekend. Uh, I was in Vegas, Las Vegas, with my wife and my oldest daughter, Alex, and my son-in-law, Mitch, and we were at the NBA Summer League games, which are so much fun. So you're in this arena, and you're just watching game after game, and it sees future NBA um professionals and so they're young and they're exciting and you you get to sit really close to the court and it's game after game after game. So if you're a basketball fanatic, which I am, it's it's just it's such a fun time. But we're all human. So after about the second or third game and you're sitting there, and maybe your your butt starts to fall asleep a little bit, you are starting to think, okay, I'm I'm kind of getting a little tired of, of eating the concessions from the, the arena. And, and so there was a, a moment that came over me where I just felt a little bit flat because I'm human, even though I love what I'm doing. I love the people around me, but I just noticed I was kind of feeling flat. So here's what that looks like. I, I noticed that I'm feeling flat. And when did I notice that? I noticed it, and this is going to sound silly, but I noticed it when I noticed it. So I was sitting there and I was just not really communicating with those around me. And I was watching this game, but I really wasn't into the game. I wasn't participating, you know, actively watching the game. So I recognized it, noticed it, that came to my attention. I didn't say, man, what's wrong with me? You know, you're here, you've got your family around you. This is incredible. You should be more excited about this. You should be more grateful because that's too often what we do. And that then starts to put a lot of pressure on us. It starts to lower our emotional baseline. It starts to raise our stress level. We start to think, I mean, I can't even come to Vegas on a vacation and be present. What is wrong with me? Nothing. You're human. We have a bunch of thoughts and emotions and feelings all throughout the day, all throughout the hour, even at times all throughout the minute. So when I recognized that I was feeling a little bit flat, then I, I noticed it. I acknowledged it. Oh, I'm noticing that I'm feeling a little bit flat. That's interesting. And so then I turn to a value of curiosity, a value of knowledge. These are two of my, my main values. I'll say one of these core values, even though I just told you that uh, this one um, author says there aren't any core values, but these are values that really are important to me, especially in that moment and in that context. So when I noticed that I am feeling flat, I acknowledged it. I didn't push it away. I made room for it. It's right there. It's right beside me. This feeling of being flat. I didn't judge it. I didn't try to say what's wrong with me. You shouldn't feel this way. You should think something different. There it is. It's just a thought. So when I notice that thought, I pulled out my phone and this, this value of curiosity or knowledge kicks in and I love nothing more than all of a sudden I start picking out players and I just start to Google them and I start to read about them and I start to learn about where they're from, how many years they played in college, um, how, how tall they are, how many how many years have they been trying to make it into the NBA. I remember at one point, I was pointing out something to my son in law where I noticed okay, this particular guy he missed a few games of his college career because he fled the scene of a of an accident and I thought that's that's interesting that i 'm clicking on the news article about it and i 'm reading more about it and it 's just something that 's fascinating or you or I see another player and he uh, it, it was kind of funny he had a very very deep looked like a fake tan and some bleached hair, and we said, okay." Uh, Let's find out that guy's story. Find out that he's a 30-year-old from Russia who's tried to make it into the NBA several times. And so then that becomes a fascinating story. Then I Google him last name is Tima. He was a 2014 Lithuanian dunk contest uh, champion. So how fun is that? Then he hits a couple of shots, the crowd gets excited. And all of a sudden, I feel like I have this, uh, this not a connection, but I, I just have this awareness or this knowledge more about this particular player. So I want to go back to that then. So when I'm noticing that I'm feeling flat, I don't judge it. I don't, I don't uh, try to change the thought. I don't try to push the thought away. And why is that significant? Because if I try to say, why, why am I thinking this? then that's a negative, that's given some negative energy. That's going to lower my emotional baseline. Why am I thinking it? I don't know, because I'm thinking it, because my brain said, here's a thought. Our brains do that constantly. Our brains do that all day long. Here is a thought. That thought can lead to an emotion, but that does not have to lead to a behavior. And that's one of the things that I think is so amazing about acceptance and commitment therapy. Our brains, it's not this mechanistic model. We can't just simply change a thought and then have it lead to a different emotion or a different behavior. Um, that's one of the things that we read often. Uh, I even have a, uh, chapter of a book called act made simple, and it has a piece. This is by Russ Harris, where he says, shattering the illusion that our thoughts control us. He said, one of the key insights that we want our clients to get is that our thoughts do not control our actions. That thoughts have a lot of influence on our actions. When we fuse with them, when we give them too much meaning, he said, they have less influence when we defuse. He said, once a client understands this, It enables us to do brief interventions like these. If a client says, I don't think I can do it, the therapist said, can you have that thought and do it anyway? (laughs) Or the client says, well, I just know this is going to turn out badly. The therapist says, well, if that's uh, what your mind's going to tell you, can you tell your mind, uh, can you let your mind tell you that and still go ahead and do whatever it is that you want to do? And so he gives a couple of examples. He said, if our thoughts and feelings actually controlled our actions, um, where would we be? He said, think of all those angry or resentful or vengeful thoughts and feelings that we've had just because we're human when we thought negative things about people. He said, remember all those nasty things that you thought about saying or doing to people that you were angry with? Maybe the guy that cut you off, somebody uh, that's uh, rude in front of you in line. But imagine if those thoughts and feelings had controlled our actions. What if you really had gone and done all those things that you've thought? Where would we all be if our thoughts and feelings controlled our actions? And uh, he says, you know, wait for your client to answer. A lot of times they'll say in prison or in the hospital or dead. And, and so then you, you often as a therapist want to bring up, have you ever had thoughts and feelings that you didn't act on? For example, have you ever had the thought, I can't do this, but you went ahead and did it anyway, right? Or do you have those thoughts about yelling at somebody or leaving your spouse or quitting your job or you know, getting angry with your kids or calling in sick, but then you don't act on them? Do you ever feel angry but on the inside, but you act calmly on the outside? Or do you ever feel frightened, but you act confidently? I mean, I had that example even just over the weekend when we were traveling to going to the airport. We were running a little bit late, later than I would like to. So in my mind, I was thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to miss the plane. I can't believe we're going to do this. I need to speed. And all those are just thoughts. What did I do? Stayed present, stayed calm, had a great conversation with my wife on the way to the airport, and we made it. I completely forgot about all those thoughts, those fears, those worries, that anger. So Russ Harris then says, um, did you ever feel like running away from an awkward or stressful situation, but you stayed? So what does that show you? Do your thoughts and feelings truly control your actions, or do you have a choice on how you act? And I remember one of the first things I learned, and he touches on this when I was learning about ACT, is uh, this, it's called the I can't lift my arm um, metaphor. Uh, The therapist says, and I, I could do this for all of you right now, I would like you to silently repeat to yourself, I can't lift my arm and say it over and over in your head. As, and as you're saying it, lift up your arm. And if I'm if you're doing this in my office, usually I wait a little bit and there may be a slight pause for a second or two. And so then you you do mention, so you, you can lift your arm up even though your mind says you can't. So did you notice how you hesitated though? We are so used to believing whatever our minds tell us that for a second there, we kind of maybe even actually believe it. But now repeat to yourself, all right, I have to stand up. And as you say it, uh, stay seated. So, your thoughts do not mechanically control your actions. Your thoughts have, they have influence on your actions. But I, be, I love that concept of just because we think it doesn't mean that we have to do it. And, and once we understand that concept, then oftentimes we say, well, what do we, what do, we do then? And this is where I love that we're going to find something that matters to us and we're going to start to take action and do it. And our brain will even say, what if that's not the right thing? And then that's see, and now I hope that you have a context from what we were saying earlier that, oh, bless my brain's heart. Yeah, it might not be the right thing. Not even arguing if that's a true or false statement, is that a productive thought toward taking action on something that matters to me? So I really believe that when you start to figure out what matters to you, and that can be fluid, and what matters to you can change. And so the key is just to start taking action. And once you start taking action on something that matters to you, you'll see if that really matters to you. So go back to this example that I have of, uh, I love nothing more than just Googling things. I love information. I have such a value of curiosity that it can almost be overwhelming at times. I can be in a session with somebody and you add that value of curiosity to attention deficit disorder that can be trouble. And I will tell clients often, okay, I love what you just said to me, but I'm dying to Google it right now and find out more about it. And I love that some of the clients that I work with are saying, oh, I'm thinking the same thing. So uh, let's let's Google it. You know, They pull out their phone. I've got my iPad. We have this value of curiosity or value of knowledge. But if you are sitting there in an arena and you start to feel flat, and then you say, oh, well, Tony has this value of curiosity or knowledge. I think I'll pull out my phone and see if that works for me. And if you just don't care, you don't have interest in that, then note it. There you go. You have some, some data to work with. Okay, maybe that's not my value. If you have a value of just connection with another human, then when you notice in a moment that you're feeling down or flat or blue and you have this value of just connecting with another individual then turn to that individual and start asking them questions. Hey, are you enjoying the game? Or what do you like about this um, in particular? Or have you ever done this before? Or did you ever think about playing basketball? Or what must it be like to be a basketball player and have access to this money? Or, you know, what would it look like to be seven feet tall and have to duck under doorways? Or So, but I'm asking those questions because I have this value of a connection. And then if you're hearing me say that, and now you say, okay, I'm in a similar situation, And I don't really want to Google anything on my phone or I start asking people questions and that isn't very satisfying either. Maybe you really just have a value of presence and you just want to be there. And so when you notice you're feeling blue, now pay particular attention to the sounds around you, hear the ball bouncing on the court, hear the shoes squeaking on the floor, hear the buzzer, hear the people buzzing around, listen for conversations around you, because that might be something that really matters to you. And the cool part about it is we are all different. We're all going to have different things that matter more to, uh, to you than they do to me. And, and you, it's your goal to start really figuring out what those values are so that when you are in your head, when you are anxious, when you are depressed, when you are flat, when you are feeling any of those feelings, instead of saying, what's wrong with me? Nothing. You're human. Instead of saying, okay, I need to think something else. Here comes psychological reactance, that instant negative reaction of, of being told what to do. If you tell your brain, do not think about being blue right now, I should be more happy. Your brain's going to say, Oh, I'll be blue. I'll do whatever I want. It's that whole thought suppression piece that don't think about chocolate ice cream right now. You all just thought about chocolate ice cream and don't, don't put sprinkles on it, whatever you do. Okay, there you go. Some sprinkles on your chocolate ice cream. Your brain is so wired for this reactance that it is going to do whatever you tell it not to do. So instead we recognize a thought I notice I am feeling blue. Okay. that that's, that's it. It's a thought. It's a feeling. You can label it. You can notice that I'm feeling blue and I can label that as, okay, thinking. That's what I'm doing. I don't have to judge it. I don't have to push it away. I don't have to change it. I don't have to say, man, okay, whenever I feel blue, then I need to think, okay, no, you're happy to be here because you can do that and you can drill that, drill into your head as many times as you want. And then if you then notice you are feeling blue and then think, okay, I need to be grateful I'm here. But if that doesn't shift your energy, then guess what now you get to do? I can't even do the tool. You get to say to yourself, I can't even do the tool right. What's wrong with me? Nothing. You are human. We're using the wrong tool. We're using this tool of trying to figure things out. We're using this tool of trying to think our way out of a thinking problem when the real tool to use is noticing the thought and noticing the feeling, noticing the emotion. There it is. And then just gently move away from it and take action. Take action on something that matters to you. And if you realize, okay, I thought that I really cared about um, friendliness. You know, that's one of the values on this worksheet. Friendliness, to be friendly, companionable, or agreeable towards others. But if you found that, man, I really find that I'm not as friendly as I once thought I was there is nothing wrong with you. Note it. There are a lot of values. We all have a different connection to these values based on all the experiences that we've been through. If you have been continually burned and trying to be friendly to people throughout your lives, or if you grew up with parents that said, do not talk to strangers, whatever you do, don't do it. It's scary. It's a scary world. Then that value of friendliness may not be intrinsic. It may not be something that is deeply rooted within your core. And that's okay. I have uh, on this list, there's uh, one, fairness and justice, to be fair and just to myself or others. I love when you get to process this values list with other people because that's one where it is okay if you don't feel this deep compassion of fairness or equality. It's hard to say that out loud because we feel like we're doing something wrong, but if you have more of a feeling of empathy or compassion, then you may not feel like that is not fair and it needs to be fair, whatever that is. If you're, if you're one who sits back and says, well, I, I mean, it's okay. I, I, uh, a lot of things aren't fair. I, I accept that. Then that's okay. That's how you feel. And if you also feel like, okay, it's not fair. I got to do something about it. Even though it's not about me, that is one of your values. That's okay. I have a tremendous value of humor. I love being funny. I love cracking jokes. I love trying to see uh, the humor in a situation. And I talked about this on a podcast a few weeks ago. But I was working with a client who has a value of humor, but they realize that in their profession and in their home right now, they, they aren't able to exercise that value of humor. They're worried. Their brain has them hooked on this thought that if they are funny in their job, that people won't take them as seriously and therefore people will not respect them and won't want to come see them. And that's a hard place to be because if at your core you are stuffing down your, your humor and your fun and this value of, of humor as part of your connection, then be funny because that is how you are going to be more of yourself. And if you're being more of yourself, your emotional baseline is going to raise and you're going to present as more confident. And if you present as more confident, people around you are going to feel that energy and you are going to be around people that want to be with you and you are going to want to be with those people. If somebody says, I can't go to you as a professional because you are too humorous, then that's okay. Bless their heart. This is where that concept of differentiation comes into play where differentiation again is where one person ends and the other person begins. We are all different, unique individuals. And so when we recognize that, we can be interdependent, not codependent. We can, we can realize that my best self is to be me, even if there are people that disagree, or even if there are people that are going to invalidate my experience. I mean, I've heard often, and, and this is funny. I remember early on when I started putting out my podcast and somebody would hear it, and they would come to me as a client. And I had more than one person say, man, I didn't know if I could uh, deal with your energy. And I remember a couple of times feeling like, oh, should I not be as energetic? And then I thought, oh, no, that's who I am. And and then I would often say, okay, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And if you feel you can't deal with my energy, then no problem. I understand. And Let me try to get your referral because I want you to find a connection with a therapist that you can connect with. And I might not be everybody's cup of tea. I really might. And guess what? That's okay. And And in that vein, how often do we spend our lives really trying to figure out who do I need to be in these particular situations to be liked and how difficult is that? But if we're finding our values, what this whole uh, episode is about today, we find out really what matters to us and then we act on those values and we take action and we start to move toward those values instead of worrying about what really other people are thinking while we take action on our values. Or we notice that we're worrying about what other people are thinking and we thank our brain for that worry and we drop the rope of that tug of war of trying to Um, really determine, oh man, should I think, should I be this way? Should I not be this way? And we start taking action on our values, we are going to start to thrive. And that is a whole different relationship with yourself and with others that I worry that people don't even know what that's like. And I recognize now when people are coming into my office and I'm drilling them with this, learn your values, take action on your values, invite your thoughts and emotions to come along that to me, it just makes so much sense because it makes sense because that's what I've been doing for so long. But to somebody new, they're they're still worried about how they say something or what they say or what if they say the wrong thing. And man, bless your heart, that is a hard place to be because that, that alone takes up a lot of emotional energy and calories. And too often, I feel like that's why your brain says, I'll do it tomorrow because it's scary and it's new. But ironically, when you get to that point where you are living more of an authentic life based on your values, and you're learning that the more you turn toward those things that matter to you, the more confident that you become, and the more confident you become, the more you're running in circles with people and and ideas and things that matter to you, then it's a lot easier to sit with that invalidation. If somebody is going to tell me that they disagree with one of my uh, podcasts or one of my theories or one of those things no problem. I'm grateful that they, uh, that they're thinking about whatever the topic is that I'm talking about. That's wonderful. Thank you. But if they're saying, I think you are wrong, then okay, that's great. Like I, tell me more, but at the end of the day, I'm the only one driving my ship. And so in that scenario, I can take the information and I can do with it, whatever it really, whatever I want to do with that. And if I want to take a look at it and say, man, maybe, maybe they've got a good point. I think I'll take a look at that. That's awesome but I don't have to feel like, oh, I should change what I'm saying. I shouldn't say these things because what if, uh, what if that makes me look bad? No, this is how I present. So, um, I know I don't want this to go too long. I didn't get into a lot of the other, I didn't get into a lot of values. Maybe we'll carry this to a part two, or maybe you've got enough information now that if you go get that uh, values worksheet that you'll see some of these other values, you know, a value of engagement to be fully engaged in what I'm doing, uh, a value of fitness, I love this one. I do push ups now between every set that I can throughout the day. And because I have a value of fitness, Um, you know, instead of saying I got to do 200 push ups a day, I have a value of fitness. And the vehicle that I use is push ups during the day. So then some days I might do 100, some days I might do 400. It doesn't, it it just, I, I take action on my value. Or there are values of, like I say, kindness. There's a value of order, to be orderly and organized. I do not possess that value, and that's okay. When people have a value of order, to be orderly and organized, then they may may want to have a more clean work environment or a more clean home. And if their spouse doesn't share that value, that's okay. But if it matters to you, take action on it. If you have a value of responsibility, to be responsible and accountable for my actions a value of supportiveness, to be supportive and helpful to others. I mean, there's so many of these values, none are wrong, none are right, they just are. And as you find out the ones that matter to you and take action on them, it is going to raise your emotional baseline. And you are going to start to have this energy and this connection with yourself, with your universe, with God, with uh, other people. And that is going to then rub off, you know, that is going to let your light so shine. Again, back to this Marianne Williamson poem, who are you, to uh, to to shrink so that you will not, uh, so that others won't feel uncomfortable around you. You know we're all children of God and we're meant to uh, to shine, so that then those around us will be lifted. And so find out what matters to you and take action and repeat that process. And on the road to taking action, remember you are at point A or C or F or G, and we don't know what point Z looks like yet. You, to get to Z. You had to go from H to I and I to J and J to K. And that's a fantastic and an amazing experience to go along that journey and figure yourself out, even at the cost of feeling a bit invalidated by those around you. Bless their heart. They mean well, even when they're saying things that feel like they don't mean well. But you are the ultimate ultimately the the captain of your own ship and the one who is in charge of your life and as you find out what matters to you and take action, I promise you that you will start to just radiate or emanate this uh, energy and in, in this um, you know raising the waters around you and I have said so many cliches right now so I will end by saying uh, find that values worksheet reach out to me I'll put the link in the show notes or go to psychwirecom and find out in the additional resources the values worksheet. I am so grateful for every one of you that uh, that listens where the downloads are millions and millions of downloads that blows my mind every time across every country and every land. And uh, it just it, it just makes me giddy. The feedback that I see, the, the emails that people send are phenomenal. I'm trying my best to get back to them. And uh, But just thank you, spread the word, share this episode if if you really felt something here, if it mattered to you, follow me on Instagram, trying to do a few more quotes there. Um, My Magnetic Marriage course, the next round is coming soon, and it is amazing. And there are so many good things to come. And I'm grateful for each one of you. And taking us out, as per usual, is the wonderful, the talented Aurora Florence with her song, It's Wonderful. Have a great day, everybody. Flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind, it's wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost are floating past the midnight hour. They push aside.